welcome to Sunday Sermons with Resurrection Church. This is the weekly preaching and teaching ministry of Resurrection Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. We just want to invite you to join us as we study God's story revealed through the Bible and seek to apply His truth to our modern life. Our hope is that through these teachings, you would experience life with Jesus as you experience life with us. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken, that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it has borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. It is finished. These are the last recorded words of Jesus before he hangs his head and surrenders his spirit in death. They are words that have captivated and encouraged, perplexed and empowered women and men for almost 2,000 years. They're simple, yes, but profound. They are a robust proclamation about the reality of the world in just three short words. In the original language, one single word, finished. It is finished, says Jesus from the cross, but what is finished? In our world of quick answers to complex questions, I wonder whether we have lost our ability to consider the depth of such a simple statement. I wonder if you and I have actually appreciated the the deep meaning these simple words carry. After all, if even the complex questions can have quick answers, then certainly the simple ones ought to have simplistic answers, ought they not? But we must not confuse the profundity of simple words for the profanity of simplistic solutions. These words have echoed through centuries precisely because they are simple and deep, not simplistic and shallow. 
A simplistic interpretation would be to say, what is finished? Well, Jesus' life is finished. Can't you see him? Speaking these words as he breathes his last. But these words are more than simple epithet or obituary. They are not a mere acknowledgement of a life lived, now lost. No. Jesus does not say from the cross, I am finished. Rather, he points to something outside of himself and says that it is finished. Finished. The word is an important one, made all the more so by the fact that its familiarity can cloud its true meaning for us. In English, I think this word carries with it a sense of ceasing to be. Yes, to us, something that is finished surely has been exhausted, depleted. It has run its course. It has no more use left in it, but not so for Jesus. You see, for Jesus, this word carries a a different weight altogether. The word that he uses here is from the Greek word telos. It's a word that does mean the end, the, the finish of something, but not in a sense of depletion. Rather, telos is about completion, fulfillment, accomplishing a purpose, reaching an end goal, bringing to perfection. This is not the first time we've encountered this word in the book of John. In John 13, 1, we're told that Jesus, having loved his own, loved him until the telos, the end, the completion. This end, the culmination of his life and ministry, the fulfillment of his love, it is finished, accomplished, brought to perfection in his death on a cross. But the question remains, what precisely is it? What is finished? In a word, salvation is finished. But I I hesitate to use one simple word because I don't want you to interpret me as giving a simplistic solution. Salvation is something of a a catch-all term that we Christians use, and I wonder whether we recognize the, the full breadth and depth of meaning that it carries. Salvation is not merely being really close to something that is bad and being brought over to something that is good. In the words of of Scripture, we are impure, in need of cleansing. We are enslaved, in need of freedom. We are alienated, in need of reconciliation. We are sinful, in need of forgiveness. We are indebted, in need of a payment to be made that we cannot afford. We are guilty, in need of someone else to make us right. We are dead in need of new life to fill us. 
if I can, I'd like to take a few moments to, to paint a picture for us of what was finished on the cross, what it was that Jesus accomplished. Like anything beautiful, the longer you look at it, the more you see. So let these next moments not be about getting a list of the right answers to the quiz question, rather. Let us begin to baptize our imaginations as we wade into the waters of Jesus' words, the simplest and most profound declaration ever uttered. It is finished. At Jesus' death, our redemption is accomplished. The Apostle Paul says it this way, in him we have redemption. How? Through his blood. Redemption is the language of freedom, friends. That which was once enslaved and in bondage is set free. The cross shows us that you and I were enslaved to sin. That sin had its shackles in our hearts and its change around our minds. But in his death, Jesus purchases our freedom. Elsewhere, Paul says, thanks be to God that though you were slaves to sin, you obeyed from the heart the pattern of teaching that you were entrusted to. And having been freed from sin, you have now been enslaved to God. Our redemption is finished at the cross. Say redemption. But that's only one color of the painting. Can we fill it out some more together, friends? At Jesus' death, our reconciliation is enacted. That is, our relationship with God is made whole. Romans 5.10, while we were enemies, God, he, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. While we were enemies, he reconciled us to God. How? By his death. Reconciliation, that which is broken, is restored. That which was alienated is, is brought back. You and I had broken the relationship to God in our sin and rebellion. Like a child who tells a father, you're dead to me. Give me my inheritance now so I can live how I want to live. We walked out on God when he had only ever been good to us. But in the death of Jesus, we see God running back to us as we stumble our way home. He dresses us in his robe and brings us back into the family for that which was lost has been found. Say reconciliation. reconciliation. Oh, friends, but there is more. At Jesus' death, our righteousness is made perfect. Let me say it a better way. At Jesus' death, his righteousness becomes ours because we had none. Righteousness is about being justified, being, being counted right. That which is guilty by rights is called right with God. Not that we are right in ourselves, but that we were made right because we were given the righteousness of the one who lived without sin. For our sake, 1 Corinthians teaches us, he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness 
of God. Jesus takes our sin upon himself so that we might receive his righteousness. Jesus becomes our sin so that we might become his righteousness, stand in his right standing before God. Say righteousness, friends, but that is still not all. At Jesus' death, our sacrifice is completed. Sacrifice is about forgiveness in the face of rebellion. That which was rebellious has been forgiven. In the Old Testament, God gave the people the sacrificial system as a gift, a way for the people to repent and be forgiven of sin, to to maintain relationship with God. The priests would make regular sacrifices of animals, of grains, of drink, of oil in order to intercede for the people, in order to, to gain their forgiveness from God. The need for sacrifices was so constant because the sin of the people was so constant. I'm sorry, did I say was? I meant is. But Jesus has no need to do every day what those priests did, Hebrews tells us. To offer sacrifices first for his own sins and then for the sins of the people. Since he did this in offering himself once and for all. Friends, say sacrifice. Our sacrifice is finished at the cross. At Jesus' death, our atonement is accomplished. This is a strange word, not one that we use often. It means that that which had been defiled has been made pure. On the Day of Atonement, multiple things would have happened. One animal would be sacrificed for the priest's sins. Another animal sacrificed for the sins of the people. The blood of the sin offerings splattered over the the people and over the altar. And yet a third animal was present. One whose fate was not to die by a priest's hand, but rather to have the hands of the community laid upon it, symbolically casting the sins of the people onto the animal, and it would be cast away into the wilderness. So also our sin is cast on Jesus as he is cast into the wilderness of death. His blood pours out to sprinkle the pureness of his life onto his people. That which is defiled is made pure. Say atonement, church. At Jesus' death, our ransom is fulfilled. 1 Timothy 2 says that there is one God and one mediator between God and man, Christ Jesus, himself a man who gave himself as a ransom for all, a testimony at a proper time. Ransom is the language of a debt being repaid. But take a moment, if you will, and cast out the image of whatever Liam Neeson movie is in your head right now. Because that's not what the Bible thinks about when it thinks about a ransom. Jesus paying our ransom, our debt, is not about God making a blood payment, a sacrifice to Satan to buy us back. Have you ever heard this, church? Some people think that Jesus had to die because God had to pay off Satan to give us back. 
How twisted can we make the cross of Christ that God becomes a devil worshiper? No, that is not the ransom. In the Bible, a ransom is about giving restitution of what was lost. A ransom is never paid to a guilty party. A ransom is paid by a guilty party to the one whom they offended. If I sin against you in some way that costs you something, you have two options. Let's just say my ox kills your ox. You can either demand that my ox also be killed or you can take pity. You can offer grace. You can offer a ransom that might be paid. That you might not require from me what my guilt rightfully deserves, but that you would make another way for restitution to be possible. The death of Jesus is is not about God buying us back from anybody. It's about God and his great goodness allowing us to pay a debt rather than requiring from us our lives. The only problem is you and I have racked up a bill that we could never afford to pay. So God pulls out his wallet and says, you know what? I see that this is too much for you. Let me cover you. Jesus, the God-man, pays what was owed to him so that our debt could be eliminated. And friends, he, he didn't just pay the principal and ask us to pick up the interest. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain, but he washed it wide as snow in his death. Our victory is secured. Say victory, church. Not merely a a victory in a physical battle against the power of an empire. This is a more pervasive victory, a spiritual victory over the power of Satan, sin, and death. In his death, the Bible says Jesus disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. That is, that that Jesus takes the greatest weapon the devil has out of his hands, death itself, and uses it for his own purposes. God disarms death by dying, triumphs over it by being raised up, not on a throne, but on a cross robbing it of any power that it once had, which means that death does not get the final word, friends. Our Jesus does. Oh, how I wish I had more time this evening to talk to you about the death of our Lord. I could tell you how our hunger is satisfied in the bread of life broken on the cross. How our thirst is satiated in the living water which pours out from his side. But I must be content not to try to fully explain the mystery that Jesus only proclaimed. It is finished, church. Jesus has made it possible through his death for you to have life in his name. It is finished. Salvation is accomplished for those who believe in Christ. It is finished. The power of sin and death are broken for those who have put their faith in Jesus. It is finished. Your life can have meaning and purpose beyond your death. You can build for yourself a legacy and receive for yourself an inheritance that will last for eternity. Because where Jesus says, it 
is finished is precisely the place where your life and my life truly begins. In his death, Jesus has fulfilled everything that is needed for you to have salvation, everything that is needed for you to receive life. Friends, it is Friday now. Our Jesus has been killed, but Sunday is coming. The story is not over, but we can be sure that it is finished. Will you pray with me? Jesus, what more is there to say? What what could we possibly add to your one word gospel proclamation from the cross finished. Let us not seek to add anything. Let us not seek to perfect what has already been perfected, to complete what you have brought to completion. Let us just receive your finished work. Well, congrats, you made it through the whole sermon. We just want to say thank you for listening to Sunday Sermons with Resurrection Church. Again, this is the weekly preaching and teaching ministry of Resurrection Church in Gig Harbor, Washington. If you want to connect with us, you can do that by going to our website at resurrectionchurch.com. There you will find all the ways to worship with us, and you can sign up for our weekly newsletter, connect with us through a group or event, find a place to serve, and give financially. We're so thankful for each and every one of you, and our hope is that you will continue to live life with Jesus this week.